First United Methodist Church of Shreveport, Louisiana, just voted to disaffiliate a few days ago from the United Methodist denomination. This is emblematic of a lot of things going on in the denomination right now. I thought it'd be useful to talk through some of the particulars of what happened in Louisiana and what that has to do with the rest of the United Methodist Connection and other churches walking in their footsteps. So I'll explain a lot of these cultural forces at play, institutional forces at play. Stick with me for a little bit. We're going to look at a lot of resources on the internet. We're going to watch some video and uh, look at some numbers. So uh, hopefully hopefully you, you end this a little bit smarter than you started. We're going to have links to all the stuff we cover in the show notes um, in case you want to do your own research and learn about the process. So um, the long and short of it, uh, is that they tried to leave, the conference didn't want them to leave, they threw a lot of barriers in the way, and yet they still left, even though there was a very well-funded and organized attempt from outside of and inside the church against them. My name is Jeffrey Rickman, this is Plain Spoken, and on this channel I try and present a conservative, representative viewpoint of uh, how, to, how to look at what's going on in the United Methodist denomination, and uh, so if you're a liberal, I hope you find it useful just for understanding those conservative weirdos. If you're a conservative, I, I hope you find this useful in just establishing who it is you're working with and why it is that many are, are wanting to leave. So here's the uh, website for First UMC Shreveport. The very first thing you see as you go down is a recorded message from their pastor. Greetings, Church. First United Methodist Church of Shreveport has just experienced our April the 16th church conference. A vote has been taken by our professing church membership on whether to remain United Methodist or disaffiliate from the UMC. I hope you attended the church conference and I hope you voted. The result of the church conference is that First United Methodist Church of Shreveport has made a choice to disaffiliate from the UMC. Below are the results of the ballots cast. Perhaps this result was in line with the way you cast your vote. So at this point, it gets pastoral, and if you want the text to that, uh, they they actually published a whole uh, uh, statement from them, um, which covers the content of what he did with with without the graphics. But it has the breakdown of votes, and if you look at the breakdown of votes, well, of course, it's already gone now. It was overwhelmingly in favor of disaffiliation. So. Um, there were 166 votes to remain in the UMC, but 940 votes to disaffiliate, 14 votes to abstain. So that's 84% of the present and voting membership. Um, I guess we'll go ahead. Well, no, I don't want to cover the stats just yet. Instead, I want us to look at what got a lot of people's attention here. I started notice this getting passed around online uh, a few weeks ago, there was a apparently very well-funded, well-organized Stay UMC uh, group within the church, maybe. I, I, uh, I called the church. I asked, who funded this? It obviously took some money, and they said, we don't know. So I don't know if they just had some rich people who wanted to stay inside the church who knew how to put something like this together. I don't know if there were conference forces from the outside that were trying to mobilize <laughs> Uh, stay UMC sentiments, but whatever they did, uh, it didn't work. But these, there are three short commercials that were published and put on TV and on a YouTube channel, and uh, I, I thought that they were incredible for a couple different reasons. So we're we're going to watch each of the three. Me and TJ are going to talk through the things that we notice about it. Then we're going to talk about more particulars on the ground here. So hope you enjoy. Jesus said, "Let those without sin cast the first stone." 
His words transform lives and can transform the world. Scripture calls us to love one another. Jesus invites us to follow him in the way of love. John Wesley taught us to first do no harm. Don't let a disaffiliation ballot become a stone. Do no harm. Do good. Stay in love with God. Keep First United. Vote no on disaffiliation. So that's the end of the first commercial. And like I said, this was put on public television for all of the area to see. Uh, TJ, what are things that you notice as a layperson about this commercial, what it conveys, what it's trying to do? Um, well, obviously, it's really well done. Um, so from a, like a, a production standpoint, it's, re it's really, really good. So it was, it was definitely professionally done, and that's some, some money they spent on that. Um, I, I can't even... I can't even think of how much that would cost um, to produce, but um, for that one in particular, like everything is love. It's got to be love, mm -hmm. you know. Disaffiliating's not loving, so don't do that. Yeah, um, those are the haters on on that side. Yes, yeah, it's that progressive mindset that everything has to be viewed through the lens of love, and whatever doesn't conform with that viewpoint, you can just throw out. Well, and so I think conservatives would also say that everything has to be viewed from the lens through the lens of love, but it's Jesus who discerns what love is. Right. And so when Jesus and his holy word and the the Bible and and the whole family of of uh prophets that constructed it are uniform that sexual ethics matters and sexual behavior matters and there are many ways in which we can behave sexually that uh might feel loving but are not loving, the faithful perspective is don't do that. The loving, you know, conservatives would say, we are doing the loving thing. We're telling yeah. people to stop hurting themselves. Yeah, that's, some things are sinful. We're telling you they're sinful and wrong. Right. We see that as loving. They would not. Right. And then it puts us in the position of, it says, don't let it become a stone. And so instantly your mind is going to, whenever that the woman caught in adultery was surrounded by men who were going to stone her, saying, hey, these guys that are wanting to disaffiliate, they're the ones that stone people. These are the bad guys. Don't be like them. Right. And then you can also, you know, they cite Jesus briefly, they cite John Wesley briefly, but then they betray that they don't know. And I, if this hurts you, I hope it does. They try and cite the general rules, do, do no harm, fine. We already kind of talked about this, what love is and what actually does harm. Do good, fine. But anytime you hear people say the third one is stay in love with God, that person is telling you, I don't know what Methodism is, because that is not the third rule. That's something that Bishop Job created like 40 years ago, and it's fooey. It's it's not anything. It's not real. It's not... Uh, the, the third one, in case you don't know, is attend upon the ordinances of God, which is just barely the same thing, not really. So they, they show their hand in the first commercial. They reinforce it in the second one. Let's look at this one. You love your church, and you want First United Methodist Shreveport to have a Isn't that a beautiful building? This vote is it's not a, about is chaos building. and widespread disobedience in the denomination. Don't be distracted. This vote is not about biblical interpretation. Don't be confused. This vote is not about preserving property and assets. Don't be afraid. This vote is about human sexuality. Don't let our church become known as the mean church at the head of Texas Street. Keep First United. Vote no on disaffiliation. Don't let our church be the mean church. I just, it's so hard not to mock that. But, okay, sorry, your reactions go. 
Um, well, yeah, then, you know, you don't want to be the mean church. Don't disaffiliate. Um, what was the first part of that? Um, play, play that again. Don't, don't let them say it's about, it's not about chaos and widespread disobedience. It's not about biblical interpretation, um, but it's about human sexuality. And that has nothing to do with biblical interpretation at all. Like, <laughs> what? hold on, wait a second. Let's go back and, and think about that for a second. Uh-huh. Um, yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is something that was said out loud, and liberals and conservatives generally agreed, yeah, the issue is biblical interpretation, until Bishop Sue Halpert Johnson of North Georgia said that is misinformation. Whenever she closed off their annual conference to disaffiliations and entrapped everybody, she said it's a, it's a form of, disaffi- or of misinformation to say that there's differences in biblical interpretation. So but so the, the tricky thing they're doing here, well, and it's not really tricky, it's... I would say it's like a literalistic thing is paragraph 2553 stipulates that the the language and reasoning for disaffiliation has to be focused on the Book of Discipline's stance on homosexuality. And the reason that that made sense in the context in which it was created was there were other provisions for disaffiliation that were broader categories. Uh, Paragraph 2548.2 was in place at that time. And that could always be negotiated and used. But the thing is, after paragraph 2553 was created, which was explicitly about human sexuality, the Judicial Council, which is our Supreme Court, canceled out our other provisions for disaffiliation, and this is all there is now. So there are a lot of churches that they may or may not be willing to divide based on human sexuality stuff, but they're very concerned about widespread disobedience in the denomination they're very concerned about uh, uh, annual conferences seizing assets, declaring exigent circumstances, uh, and they're very concerned about very different biblical interpretations. They're getting very clear, we cannot belong to this body anymore. There's only one provision for exit right now, paragraph 2553, and then people like this are saying, this is only about human sexuality, so unless you're with the bigots, you cannot vote to leave. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's human sexuality is a component of it right but it's a little more complicated than just that like there are obviously other things and while the reason to leave um is centered around the 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 paragraph in the book of discipline is centered around human sexuality that's i mean that's all you've got there are other reasons but that's what you got to go with Mm -hmm. so well and no, I don't want to get lost in the weeds on that one. Um, let's okay. Let's watch the third one, and then let's come back to let's not let our church be the mean church. Reputation means something to us. Our standing in this community and our influence far and wide mean everything to us. People see us as a place for groundbreaking, innovative ministries. People see us as a welcoming place for alternate viewpoints. People believe we are a church that strives to love God and serve our neighbors. Don't let disaffiliation damage our reputation in the community. Keep First United. Vote no on disaffiliation. All right, so reputation means everything. We cannot have the reputation of being the mean church. Right. What, what's there to be said about that? I... I... I don't really have anything to say about that. I don't. I don't know. That's so. Okay. The thing I thought is, 
if people would just shut up about it, nobody would know anything about it, first off. Like, they, they're acting like the whole world is watching. What's First Report going to do? Oh, are they going to make the hateful decision? They wouldn't know anything about it if you weren't putting commercials on TV about it. So the implicit threat is make the right decision or we've got this big platform. We're going to use it to to say you're the hateful church now. Yeah. I heard a threat in that. I heard a... We're bringing everybody's attention to this so that they know if you don't make the right decision, you are hateful bigots. So there's that. But there's also, um, when you look, when you do a historical survey of how Christians in general and Methodists in particular have been perceived by the cultures in which they begin, we have often been seen as mean. Okay, whether you're wanting to talk about the ancient Roman culture in which Christianity came about, in which we took a very hard line on sexual ethics against a very permissive Roman culture, or whether you want to talk about Methodism, which uh, was a revival movement within the Church of England where uh, Methodist preachers were routinely beaten up and thrown out of town because they were more rigorous in their faith than people wanted to believe, and that also had sexual implications. Uh, we should not be afraid of being seen as mean. We shouldn't even be concerned about how the world sees us. And this is what Methodism has gotten wrong about evangelism for a long time is we want to believe that we can only make disciples of people already like us and think we're the nice guys. But in, in actuality, we need to be countercultural, and that means people of the culture are going to take offense to us. So in some sense, we need to be willing to say, yeah, we're willing to be the mean church. If the culture loves sin and they want us to be permissive of it, then we are willing for them to see us as mean in order to be faithful to Christ. So, the, you know, that's, there's, a, there's a book. I meant to grab it. I have it in my office called Almost Christian by a woman named Kendra Creasy Dean. And she was a United Methodist, and she said, uh, Christians in America have been co-opted by what's called moralistic therapeutic deism. One of the things it believes is that one of the main purposes of faith is to make us nice. And the thing is, Jesus wasn't nice, Peter wasn't nice, Paul wasn't nice, the, the primary figures in the Bible were not nice. That is a, a co-opting of this religion of niceness on the Christian faith, which is not really concerned with nice. It's concerned with kindness, but that's not the same. telling me they didn't kill Jesus because he loved too much? Oh, they're very threatened yeah. by him being a, a very loving, nice guy. Yeah. You know, you got to kill guys. You can't have right? niceness like that. He just, all he said was nice stuff, and they just murdered him for it, and it was a travesty. <laughs> like, I don't know what Bible you're reading, but... Well, okay, so the, the commercials were well-produced, well-funded. They saturated the TV market. I haven't heard of anyone doing this anywhere. So um, Yeah, no, I haven't seen a lot of... Surprisingly, I haven't seen a lot of Stay UMC commercials. I'm sure there's some out there, but those are probably the first ones that I've seen. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I Here, I got a, a tweet. Which is weird, because why would you... If... If only members of the church are allowed to vote, why would you try to involve the community yeah. other than tr try to put pressure on the people in the church because they might think that the community thinks they're mean? Like, right, what, yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Like, who are you? Oh, it makes perfect you? sense. I mean, I yeah, think. I guess it makes sense in, in that, but I'm... It's not, it's not a good a faith effort life. at having a, a, a rigorous, robust discourse. It's, yeah. it's, it's a power play to pressure people into making a decision that they wouldn't otherwise make. It's like we're losing the vote inside. We're losing ground in here. Let's bring in the people from the outside and force these people into our way of thinking. It's just... Yeah. 
and they lost, and you lost. Yeah. I hope someone from that's watching this. I just think that's a really nasty way to... to well, okay, so that's what, what uh, Stephen... Oh, heck, I'm forgetting his last name. I'm friends with him on Twitter. Something that has bothered me still. How do you expect those on the other side to feel after you've publicly shamed and bashed them in the community? Do you expect next week they'll just show up as normal? There's not... There's no going back from nuclear war. Once you're making commercials like this and airing your dirty laundry out in public, you're you're not going to have a good like even if you win, you've lost, you yeah. know. So he he writes in a further tweet thread. So before we destroy one another in a very damaging and life-altering way, can't we take a step back and reflect on our actions just for a moment in an effort to win? Some have resorted to destruction. This does not build up the church for the future. I've always maintained that each local church should do what is best for that local church. That may not be what is necessarily best for the institution, but that's okay. But nuclear destruction is a mutual destruction from which the church does not recover. And that's, of course, what I was talking about in my address to annual conference delegates that we put out a couple days ago. Um, there, there are institutional forces at play that just will not be at peace with letting people go, and that is a mutually assured nuclear destruction option. And that's Shreveport is is I think we're probably going to see more of this, even though it was not effective. I think it's very cathartic to people of the institution to at least air this publicly. They're the hateful ones. The only reason you would want to leave it doesn't have to do with anything wrong with us. It's because they're evil. <laughs> um, he made another post in which he. Uh, uh, had the vote tallies 84% of disaffiliation. This vote comes after a lawsuit to prevent the vote and a targeted political and campaign of upwards of $1 million. So Who's this guy? Been. Remind me who this guy is. He's, he's former United Methodist clergy at this point. He used to do a podcast with uh, a couple other Methodist nerds. Um, so he knows what he's talking about, I think, I hope. So, but when he's talking about this lawsuit, that was something important to focus on. Let's see, where is that? That is right here. So, uh, the headline was First United Methodist Church of Shreveport intervenes, vote may proceed. And I, I wasn't clear on exactly what happens here, but this was prior to the vote. The latest chapter, okay, when was this published? This is March 24th. The latest chapter in the ongoing process of churches disaffiliating from the UMC played out in Baton Rouge on Thursday. Nine United Methodist UMC ministers, four of whom live in Caddo Parish, filed suit on March 13th in East Baton Rouge Parish District Court against the conference. Um, the hearing of that lawsuit was held on the 23rd of last month. Judge Kelly Balfour dismissed the lawsuit deciding they didn't have jurisdiction. Um, and we're, I, we've, we've covered these particular issues. We just put out a video on uh, Florida going through something similar. So check that out if you want to see why it is that some states are friendly to this sort of thing and, and some aren't. Uh, the petition alleged that the conference is not using the proper process to hold meetings where local churches vote on disaffiliating, and it asked the, the state court to enjoin the disaffiliation process from proceeding. In their petition, the nine ministers used First UMC of Shreveport as their example of what they considered to be a flawed process. So the particulars of that are not covered in this article. They do have the legal documents here, which I was not patient enough to read. They have uh, three sets of them, and that one wouldn't even load for me. Um, but here's Bishop Dolores J. Williamston. She is the bishop of this area. She's a new bishop. She was 
uh, placed there a year and a half ago, and it seems that she and her cabinet um, have behaved in such a way that that um, these churches, these nine pastors and their churches uh, saw fit. Uh, I don't know for a fact that there were nine churches. It just said nine pastors, didn't it? Anyway, that they saw it necessary to take them to court to make them go through the 2553 process. And so they uh, they they went through it. One of you know one of the weird things they FUMC Shreveport they're a much bigger church than mine, but they have a much smaller footprint online than we do. I guess it's just not a uh, priority. But here's their YouTube page. They have 29 subscribers. You guys need to support your church better. Subscribe to your church on YouTube. Um, but they had a discernment presentation that was 30 minutes long. That's one of the three videos that they have on their channel. They apparently uh, put their live stream and their videos directly on their website. Um, so anyway, the, they, uh, they tried to go through the process in earnest, but the annual conference really didn't want them to after enough public pressure and, and taking them to court, which is always unfortunate. They got their uh, vote scheduled. Uh, on the day of, more than a thousand people showed up to vote. If you do your addition, and then um, one of the odd things that took place there is, even after the vote was tallied, the superintendent who was there refused to release the count for a couple of days. And I still haven't gotten an explanation for why that is, other than just wanting to be vindictive and make people anxious. Maybe there's a better reason for it, but uh, that seemed pretty unjustifiable to me. Um, on their website, I just thought I'd pick on them a little bit, you know, because I'm saying so much nice about them and I'm giving them uh, uh, kudos. They have a huge staff. Just look at all these people they have working for them. They have uh, four housekeepers, we counted, and I, I guess you would need them for such a, a large, fine building as, as what they've got. But they look like lovely people. They have uh, a lot of podcasts. Um, they have like five podcast series, yeah. Uh, pastoral BS stands for Bible study. They think they're pretty clever, I guess. Uh, but at the bottom, they have I links. I think that was pretty clever. <laughs> you thought it was clever? <laughs> I'm a oh child, my I gosh. guess. You're going to make a great dad, TJ, great dad humor. Um, they have Twitter. They, their Instagram link doesn't even work, and their Facebook. They do have Facebook. They have a great Facebook. Look at their Facebook here. They have 2.2 thousand likes, 2.5 thousand followers. That's great, you know. They have a lot of great support. It's not linked on your uh, uh, website, guys. And then their their Twitter, if you click on it, it, it this account does not exist. So you guys are tweeting to nobody, <laughs> or I don't know. Um, anyway, but they they it seems to it seems that they're doing what counts because they've got plenty of support. Um, I didn't read. Okay, so this was the Facebook group that we are pretty sure was the Stay UMC group for this. And they only had 30 people like it and 18 people following. No, like, and then 30 follow. So they never got a lot of traction on faith. It seems to me that there wasn't a lot of grassroots support of the Stay UMC group. It seems to me that the, the, the big campaign was just big dollars, but that it was not representing a big groundswell of support for the UMC, that that was just an artificial intervention. Um, one of the things I forgot to focus on when we were looking at the videos, one said we we got to be we've got to maintain this reputation of being hospitable to multiple viewpoints, right? And and then in the comments, I didn't look at all the comments, but you had a lot of people saying alternate viewpoints. There is only the word of God. All the other viewpoints are irrelevant. So you had a lot of people in that context who knew with biblical clarity 
uh, it was, it was, I didn't go through all the comments, but the ones I did read were largely against the talking points of those commercials. Um, when we're looking at some of just the institutional realities of what's going on in that conference, um, let's see, I wanted to focus on the, the conference first, I think. Um, they have an annual budget of around $87 million. It was 92 and then it went down, and then it came back up. A uh, little over $87 million budget. Um, this is their membership stats going back to 2012. This, this, these are percentage points. They have been uh, a percentage cha- They've been going down for the last few years, 2% in membership every single year. Um, when you look at the conference, this is attendance and worship versus membership. They have more than 102 uh, United Methodist members in the whole conference, and then they're seeing uh, almost 20,000 a week in worship. And you see both of these are generally declining, as it is throughout the entire United Methodist Church in the United States. Um, I don't know that they're declining any faster than anywhere else. Um, Louisiana has 438 churches as of the close of 2021. I'm, I'm pretty sure that maybe this is 2022. I don't remember, but it's not going to change that much. 438 churches. And then, okay, this, this is now pertaining not to the conference, but to First Church Shreveport. Their total budget, I couldn't see how much they pay in apportionments annually, but their total budget has generally been going up the last few years, and in 2021, their budget was $4.5 million. And generally, churches uh, tithe—well, not tithe—apportionments are usually over 10% of whatever your income is. So I think it'd be safe to assume that they're giving probably $4.5 million to the conference annually, which their budget is $87 million a year. So that's not nothing— but it's not the whole, it's not the whole thing by any means. Um, another relevant thing about that, they paid 100% in apportionments every year. That's 100, 100, 100, 100. So they have been faithful covenant partners. When you look at their attendance and membership, the, the membership is way, I mean, <laughs> uh, their membership is inflated, it would seem. They have over 4,000 members, just over 1,000 showed up to vote. They're only seeing 500 in attendance uh, in worship each week. So uh, it would seem that they need some attention on that. And then here's just well, all the... It seems like that's most Methodist, United Methodist churches, they bump those membership numbers up, which we have a video about. We have done, a, yeah, that's, uh, it really, it, it's hurt us a lot. Um, so yeah, their total spending, total income is around 4.5. They're a, they're a big church, they have a big building, they have a big budget, uh, you know, 500 in attendance, I mean, pff, I'm, we're seeing 10% of that. So, you know, we, we're not going to cast stones. But we hope that there's a lot of health and uh, uh, life in the future for the church, especially as they start a new covenant relationship now. But just because they've taken the vote does not mean this is over. Uh, a lot of annual conferences are now in their sessions trying to withhold congregations uh, that vote to disaffiliate. So I, I just did a vote or a, a video on that. Some of the the points that they use to try and justify withholding, I would say, and trapping local churches after they have taken these votes. It happened to uh, Jonesboro first in Arkansas. It happened to Searcy and Cabot. It apparently happened to one church in Virginia. I don't know as much about uh, that particular circumstance. Um, So anyway, there's a lot to still be anxious about. 
the funny thing in in the case of Shreveport here is they took this vote, and then the pastor is um, apparently in the armed services, and he has to go away for I forget it was two weeks or two months, but anyway, he's he's nowhere around after this big decision. Um, but they're gonna they're gonna go through this, and then they have a special called conference in in May, I think I recall. Their senior pastor. Yeah. Okay. Well, they've got like five others. Yeah, they so. do have a lot. Yeah, they'll be just fine. So uh, anyway, they're going to appear and and hopefully disaffiliate, and it'll all hopefully go fine. But um, at least if you're looking at the behavior of the conference leading up to that, and even uh, releasing the vote tallies later, it, it seems like they're they're not very eager for this church to leave. So we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on any other churches that go through stuff like this. If you're aware of a church that's really um, having to fight to get out, and uh, uh, an annual conference that does not want to abide by the provisions of paragraph 2553. Remember that the language of paragraph 2553 is that a local church has a right, R-I-G-H-T, a right to disaffiliate. And um, if there are any annual conferences that are trampling upon that right and disregarding the clear will of the general conference, then it's important to shine a light on that uh, because remember, 2553 expires at the end of the year, and it seems like it's a long way away, but it's really not. So pray for First Church Shreveport, pray for their annual conference, pray for peace in their conference, and um, just uh, keep petitioning God that he would see fit to allow the United Methodist Church to be a body of peace rather than resentment, manipulation, and coercion. All right, that's been it for me and TJ today. God bless you. Thank you for all your support of Plain Spoken. We're enjoying this. I hope you are too. Comment, subscribe, like, share, and uh, pray for us too. All right, thanks. See ya.